listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have another special guest. We have Matt Boucher. He is a D1 sports fellow at University of Minnesota. Matt, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Chase. All right, Matt, kind of give us a little bit of background about who you are, what got you into physical therapy, and uh, kind of a little bit more about what you do now. So like Chase said, my name is Matt Boucher. I'm currently a Division I sports physical therapy fellow with uh, University of Minnesota in combination with M Health. Originally from Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, graduated there in 2012 and came up to the Twin Cities, went to the University of St. Thomas to do my undergrad where I played some soccer there. That's where my uh, love for exercise science, strength and conditioning and physical therapy really continued to develop. And after that, I joined the coaching staff, continued with some sports performance stuff and working alongside some PTs that were there and just kind of started narrowing my, my focus in on, on sports. Uh, after that, went to school at Concordia St. Paul, which is in the Twin Cities as well. Uh, so I've been in this area since uh, 2012. So it's been a long time here in Minnesota, loving it. And I did M Health Sports Physical Therapy Residency, which just finished up August 1, and then transitioned directly into their fellowship. And now we're straight into camp, and there was really, really no break between the two. Now we're just getting after it with the uh, football team. Gotcha. So I want to go a little bit back further. Um, so you said you played soccer um, at St. Thomas. Kind of a little. Tell us a little bit more how that like influenced your decision to want to do physical therapy and more specifically sports physical therapy. Yeah. So while I was at St. Thomas, I, as as the classic saying goes, experienced an injury myself. I consider myself rather unique relative to sports physical therapy because that was something that I actually decided in high school that I was going to go after and. Just at St. Thomas with the injuries, it just further confirmed. Knee injury happened skiing, so it wasn't even athletics related, but being sophomore year of college, it was right in the middle, right at the end of one of our seasons. So just got to spend a lot of time with our PT, who was fantastic on staff, and a lot of times with the athletic trainers in the training room. And like I said, that just being in that training room environment is really what was kind of stuck in the back of my mind going through clinical rotations and all the billing documentation stuff that we're going through and living through. And I just knew I needed to get in that athletic training room setting and being involved with athletes a little bit more. Right. So after you graduated um, from St. Thomas and you went on, went on to PT school, obviously you had sports PT in the back of your mind the whole time. And that was your goal. Um, was there any other deciding factors that made you want to pursue the residency route um, versus not, go, not doing a residency at all? I was just really looking for a, let's say, structured way of continuing my learning. So I, I'm a rather type A person. I feel that if I would have got out of school, I really could have done it myself. But knowing that you had guided mentorship and continued learning, sports stuff that was set up for you ahead of time, I feel like that's the hardest part if you weren't going to pursue a residency is setting up all these opportunities on your own. And just knowing that it was going to be somewhat structured, it gave me a little bit more comfort to get outside my comfort zone as well and kind of push myself with a more guided education for another year outside of school. 
Right. And so talking about M Health's uh, residency in particular, is there a reason you chose their residency program over others? In the Twin Cities, the, the M Health residency has a really good reputation for producing solid clinicians. They're pretty sought after once once they finish. I do like how they have their structured relative to ortho for sport ortho versus sports. So that was one of the, the main questions coming out of school. Am I going to do ortho emphasis or sports emphasis? I'm health did a really good job of kind of combining the two. So the ortho and sports residents go through the same didactic education weekly, same manual stuff weekly. And you just have the added component of, of sport coverage. So when I initially gotcha. accepted the position at M Health, they were with Division three schools, Augsburg and Hamlin in the Twin Cities, as well as high schools. And then January 1, we just got notified by our director, John. He said, guys, we're switching all of our athletics over to the University of Minnesota. So it was a nice, pleasant surprise to go from high school in Division three to seven, eight hours a week in the Division one training room setting. Gotcha. And then, so after you just literally a couple of weeks ago, wrapped up residency um, and went straight into fellowship. So as you were like about halfway, I'm sure like during your residency, you had to decide like, do I want to continue and pursue a fellowship? Kind of what was your thought process and then, and why you wanted to pursue even further education? Absolutely. So to be honest, fellowship wasn't necessarily on my mind when I started residency. I kind of thought to myself that I wasn't going to do one. Main reason being was I was settled in the Twin Cities. I loved being here. It's close to family back home. And then John said, Matt, we're starting up a division one fellowship. Do you have any interest in applying? Um, here's what it is. Here's what you'll be doing. And I kind of just got the conversation going in my head thinking, I'm really liking the sport coverage at the U. It's a lot of good communication, collaboration with other providers. Uh, and just what type of skill sets can I continue to build with, with an opportunity like this? And eventually came down to this is a great opportunity. I'm going to apply. And there's a lot of other good good candidates that applied as well. So it was nice to network with them and just it turned out being a great opportunity. We're 21 days in and couldn't, I wouldn't take it back. It's great. Great so far. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've had sports PT as your goal since you, you said you were in high school. Um, so what is it about that, you know, working in sports PT during your residency, even currently now in your, your fellowship, what is it that makes it so fulfilling to you? Something that makes, you know, the long days and um, all the, documentation and the billing nonsense that you might have to do what is it what is it that makes it all worth it in the end it's nice putting yourself on the other side i know i had a pt named leah and my athletic trainer marissa all made a big impact on on my career as an athlete they're people that i continue to talk to regularly so i just figured putting myself on the other side giving back to the game there's nothing better than seeing an athlete that you're working with who's taken out from the sport they love and you get to help them get back to the game that really pushes me towards that, that sports PT mindset is the athlete is there to, to play sports. What can I do to get them back and then celebrate the little victories with them when they, when they get back. Right. Um, so I want to go a little bit more kind of like the transition between your residency and fellowship. Um, so obviously you're with M health um, for both of them and you're under, under that same umbrella. So what are some of the, I guess, differences in terms of your learning and in terms of the teaching that you're going under undergoing um, between the residency and the fellowship, specifically at M-Health? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's a pretty nice continuation. So I'm working with football again. So the same team that I was with in the uh, winter slash spring. Um, one big difference is the no number of hours increases drastically. So you're seven hours as a resident. 
Now I'm up to 15 scheduled hours. That really doesn't include any practice or game travel games. One of the big distinctive differences is being somewhat of a mentor for the residency program. So I will be helping out some of the residents that come into the training room. We'll be continuing on with some research projects that I'm gonna hopefully get going up soon here and have the residents help out with. But really it's more of a continuation of the residency with more hours in the training room. And like I said, that's where I, I enjoy most of my time. We still have clinical coverage at, at a clinic pretty close to campus but then just really up and up the, the number of hours that you're in the ATR with, with football and Olympic sports. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, most PTs work in an outpatient clinic, um, but I'm sure there's things that you've learned in the athletic training room that you can be transferred over into the clinic. So what are some of the things, some of those lessons you've learned in your residency and then, you know, in a couple of weeks of your fellowship so far, uh, something that you've transferred from working in the training room with athletes to working in the clinic with other athletes or even just general population patients? Yeah, number one is communication. I feel like it's something I haven't hit on enough yet in, in this podcast recording is just the, the importance of communication. I know it's in the training room, it's it's huge between all the different disciplines, but even in the clinic, constantly communicating with the referring provider, communicating with the patient, and really just blending my communication style, what I'm learning in the training room over to clinic. Another big one is the use of some tape techniques. So whether it be like McConnell taping or ankle tapes, trying to, to blend the, the athletic training side of things with the PT side of things. I'm by no means an expert on taping, but it's one of my weak spots and it, it's something that I'm trying to implement a little bit more into, into my uh, clinical mindset and framework. Gotcha. Um, so you talked about communication. That's like one of the big, I guess, takeaways that I've learned from this podcast, from talking to all these different people. Um, in all sorts of settings, communication, communi communication, communication is key. Um, so what is, you know, when you're working at a large division one university with, um, you know, and everybody has a hand on that patient, whether it's strength coach, athletic trainer, you, um, you know, position coaches, nutritionists, re registered, registered dietitians, what makes it easiest for you to collaborate amongst all those different people when you guys are all maybe in separate areas, but all have, you know, your say and your, um, your care on that one particular patient? Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. It's a, a tough one. Obviously, everyone has a little bit different framework and mindset of treatment and how we should proceed with this athlete. One thing that we do at the University of Minnesota is we have a, a daily meeting, sports medicine meeting between myself and the four athletic trainers that are with football. Then usually whatever we talk about in that meeting, the head athletic trainer, Mike Sipniak, will bring down to the strength and conditioning staff. And then really just bringing all these opinions together. And then we decide roles on how we're gonna treat this athlete. So Matt may be responsible for strength capacity, not sports specific stuff, rehab stuff in the training room. What can this athlete do down in the, the strength and conditioning and, and lift and weights? And that's gonna be handled more by strength staff. Everyone kind of understands their role with, to get this athlete back onto the field. I do love the, the daily rounds that we have between the athletic trainers and myself. It helps me get, get on page because, like, you know, like, you know their, their days are a lot longer than mine. They're with the athletes 12, 15 hours a day. And unfortunately, I'm only able to be, be there three to five hours a day. So it, it's nice to kind of everyone, everyone get on board and, and just do our jobs. Gotcha. Um, and so... When you're working in the athletic training room, you know, there's always that, 
Um, you don't want to step on anybody's toes, but you also want to make sure that you're using your skills in the training room. So what are some things that you think that will have set you up for success working at the athletic training room with the athletic trainer to make sure that you're providing the best care possible for the athletes? And, you know, at the same time, you know, assert, you know, use your skills, but also not overstep your bounds. Yeah. And that's a great question. There's going to be definitely some overlap when it comes to things. I, I mostly strict stick to in the, the training room, which we, I mean, we have ample weights in there. We don't have any of the any squat racks or anything. Those are downstairs. But how it typically goes is the strength and conditioning staff has a lifting card for the day. So we'll we'll kind of review what they're planning to do in the, the workout room so we're not doubling up on some things. And then usually I'll develop a, a rehab card or some sort of plan for the week that's not going to overload this athlete in some capacity. Usually the rehab that I'm doing in the training room looks very similar to what we're doing in, in clinic, whether it be working with the knee, are we getting some, some sidestep and some lateral band work? It's just not going to be at the, the capacity or weight that's going to be performed downstairs. And I have the, the ability, since I'm working one-on-one with these individuals for a, a set period of time, that I can be a little bit more picky when it comes to form, things to cue them for that they can implement down in the, the strength and conditioning room. And yeah, communicating with with them about what I'm seeing, and they're communicating what they're seeing. It's just a team effort, right? So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um, so during residency, I know a lot of residencies have like structured time for you to go over research and literature. Um, and I'm not sure what it is like for fellowship. Um, but outside of that, how do you kind of stay up on most recent and current um, evidence to make sure that you're providing the best care you can for the athletes? Absolutely, uh, podcasts are. Mostly my go-to, I will say I just moved and my commute went from 35 minutes down to 15. So that used to be my, my daily podcast time. So I'm running a little short on, on time there. Another one is, I kind of hate using this one, but Instagram, seeing when individuals that I follow are posting up-to-date research articles, I'll screenshot and be like, hmm, that looks like a, a good one that I want to read. So if you were to scroll through my pictures on my phone, you're going to see a lot of headlines of articles that I'm soon to dig into. Another one is sports health uh, with their like online first section, saving it as my tab and just kind of seeing what was published that week or day, see if there's anything that, that sticks out that I, that I want to start reading. Being said, it is hard. I mean, when, when the hours start piling up, I'm, I consider myself a evidence-informed clinician, try to stay up to date on it, but there's so much stuff coming out that I need to rely on some other um, ways of finding that material and someone that can help synthesize it relatively quickly for you. Gotcha. Um, so before this is kind of going back a little bit, kind of right before you started your residency, you know, after you graduated PT school, um, was there any challenges that once you entered residency and even into your fellowship that you did not expect would come up, but have appeared while you're working um, through your residency and fellowship? That's a great question. I would say, just balancing personal life felt or residency stuff, reading, staying up to date on literature sounds sounds like a lot, but it just trying to figure out how to manage all these things was maybe my biggest struggle. I'd say the first month coming out of school was like, oh boy, what did I get myself into? But then but then really once once you go week by week trying to figure out how to manage it all, that, that was most likely the, the hardest thing for me. Relative to fellowship. Like I said, it's a big continuation of the residency cycle. So I feel like right now I'm in a, a great position now that the hours are a little bit 
increase compared to residency, I'm, I'm in a good spot moving forward. Gotcha. Um, and so kind of going through your residency and fellowship again, um, was there any mistakes or lessons that you learned that, you know, you wish you could tell your, your past self, let's say a year ago or even two years ago? I think the biggest one is you don't have to know it all. Uh, I always thought that I needed to tell my patients what, what was wrong with them. And I just kind of adopted the mindset of, if we're going to find A, B, C, this is what it could be laying out their expectations from, from day one, trying to get that buy-in for the first, okay, we're going to go four to six visits of, of strengthening. We'll see what happens at that point. If, if option A doesn't work, we do have a, a backup plan. And coming out of school, I thought there was an, there was an answer for everything, but in reality, there's multiple different ways to, to really get the same outcome. And that was one thing that, that I would probably tell myself going into residency is there's more than one way to get the same outcome. Right. Um, I think that's the struggle that, you know, every person faces because, you know, you want to make sure that you're giving your patient the right answer, but sometimes the right answer isn't always apparent and obvious and it takes some digging and some trial and error. So that's definitely something that, uh, most people, I think myself included have to, you know, take into account. Um, so last like kind of clinical question when you're working with your higher level athletes, let's say, you know, right now you're working with football, uh, when you're trying to return them to sport, let's say after a long, um, long rehab process, or even after a more acute injury where they, you know, might take them a couple of weeks to get back onto the field. Um, how do you kind of prepare them or make sure that they are ready to go, um, to run as hard as they can jump as high as they can get hit by another person as, as hard as they can. How do you kind of prepare them for, um, that amount of stress and load going through? Absolutely. And the answer is collaboration. So I, by no means am a, a football expert. I understand the body. I understand tissue capacities. I understand what this athlete may need to get to in order to, to be on the field. So mindset that I take is I can perform some testing. I can limb symmetry, torque to body weight ratios. Is this athlete capacity strength adequate for the tests that need to be done? Then at that point, whether it be the athletic trainer or the strength coach or the position coach, creating a, a proper handoff and facilitation of, is this athlete ready? Like I said, I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to tight ends cuts when they need to be out on the field running routes. So my goal is to one, be down there and learn what's going on, but also what can I do as a PT to prepare this athlete for the next step, for the next positional coach session that they have down on the field. So that's gotcha. the biggest takeaway is just knowing your knowing your limitations. Right. Um, and that kind of goes back to your last point about not know not needing to know everything. Like we're not football coaches, we're not volleyball coaches, we're not basketball coaches, but we know how those players can move. And so kind of using our knowledge and collaborating with the people that know more about what gets them back onto the field is probably the most important thing. So I think that that's a point very well taken. Um so right now you're kind of in the middle of a, a transition where you're ramping up into football season, which is starting in a couple of weeks. Um, so kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be you right now, um, kind of working in the uh, the clinic or in the training room. And I'm sure your days are different, you know, depending on what day it is and uh, yeah. what's needed of you. But kind of give us like a typical classic day in the life for you. Yeah, so I'll just simplify it a little bit. Depending on the day, my trainer will be in the morning or afternoon. And I'll have clinic in the morning or afternoon. Typically, it's three to four hours of training room coverage each day, followed by, let's say, four to six hours of clinical work. 
typically boils down to 15 hours of scheduled training room time, but that does not include any practices or games or, or whatnot. And that also does not include when we have practices on the weekends. Typically in residency, we had more structured education research and a few other things, but with residency here between my clinical and training room time, all additional stuff is done outside of it. So finding that extra time is crucial, Tr trying to stay on top of your things, but I'd say my favorite part is the, the training room coverage for sure. Just more hours, more experience. I am not an athletic trainer by, by training, so it's nice to see their perspective, be curious, be curious every time I'm there and try to take a new skill because, man, they're they are versatile. They know so much to, that I could take from and try to implement into, into my practice. Right. Um, so, you know, you've been with M, M Health for, for over a year now. Um, what has been your most favorite memory working at M Health or, you know, with the University of Minnesota so far? Anything that stands out in particular? I'd have to say just in general, the, the news of hearing that you're going to be with the University of Minnesota. We did hear, did hear in the, the pipeline that this was potentially going to be a thing, and we were told that there's no chance that it was going to be part of your residency cycle. So we were like, we were bummed out, obviously. You want, you want that experience. And then the day John sent us an email saying, guys, we got an update. We're going to be transitioning to the University of Minnesota January 1. And honestly, every time I walk, walk in there, I pinch myself. It's an unbelievable facility. Never would I have imagined being in the position I am now. And every day just walking in there and enjoying what I do has been a, been a huge bonus. Gotcha. Um, and so last question before you get you out of here, um, Matt, thank you for being gracious with your time during your busy schedule, especially since uh, football season starting um, right around the corner. Do you have any advice for anybody that wants to be a sports PT or somebody that wants to be in your position, somebody that wants to work in sports in any type of setting? The biggest one is finding, finding a mentor, finding someone that's been through it, someone that you can ask questions to. Another big one is reaching out to residency programs that can best fit your goals. I feel like that's something that I maybe could have done a better job on. Maybe I was nearsighted knowing that I wanted to stick in the Twin Cities and that there wasn't many options. And I, maybe I just got lucky. It was a, I would not take the experience back. But if it's someone that is looking to do a residency, I would reach out to program director, try to get in contact with a previous resident. I do think that is the best way to learn about a program is having a 10, 15 minute conversation with with a current resident, former resident. And if you are interested in the M Health program, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone. I talked to many people in the last few months here just explaining the situation, everything going on with M Health and the exciting stuff going on. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, before we get you out of here, do you wanna kind of give a uh, a little plug for M Health? This is residency and then now their newly formed uh, fellowship. Kind of tell us like a little bit more about what you guys offer and uh, for anybody that's uh, potentially, uh, I guess, interested in what you guys have. Yeah, so I'm out is uh, obviously sports, ortho and, and pelvic health resident residencies. The best part is sports and ortho goes through this, the same didactic work, educational content, as well as manual therapy content each week. You also have some research projects that, that you get to work on with our director of research at uh, the University of Minnesota. So all research projects are done with the University of Minnesota Athletics. If research is your thing, Justin has many projects in the works. So there's there's more than than one option for what you could do. 
and then just to take it home as the sport coverage. Um, you get to spend a lot of time in the training room working with Olympic sports for six months and football for six months. And uh, John, our director, does a really good job of tailoring the experience as, as to what you want. And, and that's a huge thing. It's not, not set in stone. You, you'll listen to your feedback and, and really help make the opportunity what you want it to be. Along with being in the, the Twin Cities, there is more than just University of Minnesota here. There's a lot of other event coverage that, that one can take on. There is some extra time on the weekends and residency that if soccer was your thing, you could find soccer events to coverage and, and, and John would do whatever he can to make that happen. Like I said, if you're interested in ortho and sports, Fairview is the best of both worlds and you can throw yourself into a division one training room setting at the same time. Gotcha. Um, you know, pretty enticing, uh, you know, uh, advertisement there. So hopefully if anybody's li um, listening and is interested in the M health, uh, a residency or fellowship position uh you know you kind of give a great endorsement of it there um before we get you out of here is there anything else that you'd like to plug anything social media wise uh no you can follow me at map Mapushi physio um i try to post some stuff on there um soon to be a lot of football content coming um like i said trying to find time to put out some some high quality content in the, the near future here it's a work in progress Gotcha. Um, well, we're looking forward to that, and uh, I'll make sure I link that um, in the description of this episode. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time, um, and this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Chase. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we had Matt Boucher, University of Minnesota's D1 Sports Fellow, come on today's podcast to talk about his experiences. If you like what you heard on today's podcast and want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Thanks.